Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another midweek trade and strategy podcast. And gosh, there is a lot to get through joining me on this episode after his debut last week we are not going to j-rant on him we are going to let him play two games in a row i got jordox back on this episode hello mate how are you yes good mate thanks for having me back again uh just like last week there is a ton to get through so it feels like we could say that every week couldn't we and then for his first um, (laughs) in-season episode you heard his voice a lot during the pre-season but we've managed to sneak him into this midweek i've got benny gogos hello mate how are you very well, mate. It was a traumatic week for our fantasy team, so I think we've got a lot to cover tonight. Oh, there is a lot to get through in this episode. We want to hit our Patreon questions uh, a little bit later on in this episode. Of course, if you're loving the work of the coaches panel this preseason and throughout the regular season, you can uh, jump in at a level that is right for you. Exclusive content and a bunch of other different access groups and heaps of other stuff. All your links for that are at coachespanel.tv. I want to talk multi-buy rounds, uh, ruck strategies, some injury impacts of players. And then there's this one North Melbourne kangaroo that keeps drawing people's attention. We will talk about their skipper, Jack Siebel, a little bit later on in the episode. Before we do, some news for Ultimate Footy Coaches have landed just this late this afternoon evening on a Wednesday evening, if you're listening to us up late or Thursday just the other day, these ones dropped. And uh, Ben, you're a regular Keeper League coach. I know Jordox has just got involved with these in the past few months, but 12 new players have picked up DPP. Uh, there's a couple that are maybe relevant for us in the back line. Dyson Heppel, Miles Bergman, George Hewitt, Sean Burgoyne, and Bailey Dale. Probably of all five of those, Dale's more relevant with the forward. But Heppel's probably that big name, isn't he, Benny Gogos, that in that format of the game is, is now a huge premium option in the back line. Oh, yeah, mate. And this was exactly why people drafted him um, in the preseason. So he was someone that was touted as being a a full-time general defender come round one. And he's been a little bit injury prone. um, And we've seen that sort of manifest during the 2021 season. But when he's out on the park, as we saw on Sunday afternoon, holy... I mean, I was about to swear them. uh, Thank you. It was was very, (laughs) very exciting. Um, 142 points in dream team so he's the type of guy which he could almost land as your d1 and it's very exciting if you're an owner today yeah absolutely just off the back of that monster score without ridley he was massive in the center line duggan o'connor zach williams and chad warner look there's nothing really there when a player adds center status it's rarely of great benefit for coaches other than a little bit of squad flexibility so not too much to deep dive there but jordox three other players have picked up forward status in the latest dpp editions Lockie mcneil pass he's not even averaging 40 he's in eight percent of leagues and that's eight percent too many as if you ask me but then there are two (laughs) names that do get interesting for coaches devon smith and mark murphy have both picked up forward status as centers only probably unrosterable almost going around that 70 markers across the format now though coaches that were struggling for maybe a viable d4 um f4 or f5 might have some light at the end of the tunnel with murphy and smith jumping in Quite interesting, isn't it? I think the the smart coaches got a, a sniff of this um, probably before the first round of changes 
Um, particularly the Mark Murphy one is the one that intrigues me the most just because mm. we've seen Dev Smith as a forward and uh, we know what he can do, but not sure where he's at in his fantasy career or even his Essendon career. And Mark Murphy, you know, as we know, he's, he's, he's um, you know, right in the, the tail end of a, a pretty good uh, career for Blues and for fantasy coaches. Um, hasn't really got going in that forward line and, and, and really scored too well. Um, but something I have noticed the last few weeks is he's started to um, do what forwards are meant to do and, and hit the scoreboard. He's had a couple of games where he's kicked a couple of snags and, you know, he's only scoring around the 80s, but, you know, now he's got that forward status. He could be a handy um, handy one just to sit there at the, the uh, F5 or, or wherever it would be. Yeah, I think both of them are going to be handy enough for their coaches. Uh, all right, lads, there are, there are two really big issues of the week that are that are stumping a lot of coaches, and then there is a large proportion across the formats that have the dual issue. I'm, of course, referring to the injury issues to both Lockie Neal and Josh Dunkley. They have both gone in for surgery this week, meaning they are now out for, at least in Neal's case, a minimum of six to eight weeks, while Josh Dunkley... Um, if he gets back before the end of the home and away season, I think the Bulldogs will feel pretty happy about that. So both our trades might not have to be this week, though. We'll get to that thought in just a second. But Ben, um, is there any players like that immediately jump? Josh Dunkley's probably the one that feels like it's causing the most headaches because there's this felt lack of forward premiums. Ben, if you're a Josh Dunkley owner across the formats, who are some guys we should be considering to move him onto? Because unfortunately, we're now losing the number one forward in the game. Yeah, it was a big injury, MJ. So I come back to planning, 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 planning. Who have you got in the top positions from here to the end of the season? So we're not looking at just averages of, okay, Dunkley's had a great start to the season. He probably will have the greatest average for the home and away season. He also won't play another game for the rest of the season. Hmm. So... We're looking at durability as well as points right now. We've got another 16 games, 17 games of home and away footy, trying to work out who's going to deliver the most points in that time. Where I'm, where I'm coming at it from is, do you have your ruck set up? So a lot of players went in with the R1, R2, R3, all being rookies. Yeah. Um, if they've got someone, if they've got a rookie ruck right now, I'd be looking to a Gorn or a Grundy. That's the first one I would... Because that's, that to me, you can't win fantasy footy in 2021 without both Gorn and Grundy. I, I would hang my hat on that call. Yep. Um, next up, I'd be looking at the midfield group. Have you got, have you got your Clayton Olivers? Have you got your uh, Jack McRae's? Those are probably the guys that I'm seeing as being the big two at the moment. Yep. Captain C options every single week. With, with this trade, I want to go directly to the top guys. If we don't have those, if we do have those guys, and if we can deal with the forward line specifically, steel side bottom to me is the outstanding option. Dane Zorko, not too far away. So steel side bottom has a history of averaging over a hundred in dream team for a succession of four or five years. I had a look at it this morning. It's incredible what he's produced. Uh, Dane Zorko is not too far behind, especially when he has the mid the midfield only role, which will be manifesting now with Lockie Neal out for a sustained period of time. Yeah, good so shot. Yeah, so I don't I don't like uh, I I like either option there. I do prefer still side bottom. We've got a, a few sort of tag uh, concerns when it comes to Gold Coast in round nine. Tuke Miller coming in um, to the side, playing some really good attacking footy, but he's had mm. a lot of um, 
a lot of great performances on Dane Zorko. So in my mind, I'm thinking still side bottom if you've got the rest of your team set up, but have have those trigger alerts of, okay, Gorna Grundy, in my mind, should be the top priorities and work back from there. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And, and Jordan, so I'm keen on your thoughts. Sometimes we, we get this forced Dunkley trade or Neil trade, and we'll talk about him more specifically in a second, but the thought is, oh, I, I could get some value here or I could get this option here. But it's this interesting point that, that Benny brings up is you're getting rid of the clear top forward for the year, at least on current trend. Don't replace a top tier level premium in a line for a kinder almost guy. It's an interesting thought that I don't think a lot are picking up on. Now that's it. And, and there's so many layers to this. And, and, and what I mean by that is, did you have this situation last week with Dangerfield? I think that would be pretty <laughs> common. So it's, yeah. it's almost like a bit of deja vu this week. You're looking at my team and, and it's sort of like a bit of a question of what did you do last week? Did you go danger to another forward? Did you go danger to a mid? Which yeah. I think was probably the most popular call because we had Dunkley holding up our forward lines. Um, or as, as Betty said, you know, did you just bite the bullet and fix your, um, the ruck headaches and, and get Grundy or Gorn in. So that sort of, for those who have done this already last week with Dangerfield, I'd be saying, what did you do last week? Because you obviously can't do the ruck one again. Mm. I wouldn't recommend doing it again, a midfielder again, because what we're doing is we're pushing all these DPP, um, essentially kids from our midfield to our forward line. And, and some forward lines now without Dunkley, without Dangerfield. Dusty um, out this week you as know, well. Oh, yeah, Dusty, yeah. Um, so I think this week now, it, it, yeah, probably time to um, start looking at the forwards. And I think side bottoms that, that stand out across the three, you know, as people will talk about later. Um, and then, you know, those DPPs in fantasy become much more interesting now, the, the Josh Kellys and the, and the um, Lockie Hunters who, you know, their roles were sort of stagnant in terms of fantasy, but mm. these injuries could open up. And I think we'll touch on that later as well. Um, so I think Ben makes great points. What, what's the glaring omission that you saw at, at the minute? Is it, is it the big midfielder that's clearly going to be, you know, one or two in, in a McRae or, um, or even a Merritt? Um, and then the Rucks, you know, we've got an interesting scenario Friday. So, my thinking with probably most of my teams is if Flynn plays, I can just play him again. If Flynn's out for Mumford, it's a no-brainer. I get Grundy. Now, the trick to that is, and this is where the planning comes into it, yeah. is we will get the Saturday teams on Friday at 6.20, and then a mere 90 minutes later, the Bulldogs game starts. So you will have 90 minutes to decide. So I think you need to head into Friday night, A or B. If Flynn's in... This is what I'm doing. If Flynn's out, I'm hitting the escape button and I'm getting Grundy or Corn. Yeah, and I think part of me is almost thinking, regardless now, the, the caveat is always every side is unique in it in its makeup. There are some sides that they can make that move to take a Dunkley to a mid because they've got two or three other performing They've got a Zebel. They've got an Impy in a in a super coach. Um, they, they've got two or three others. They might still be going. Look, I, I, I held on to text last week. I'll, I'll hold another week. So, so there are some yeah. forward lines that are uniquely set up to go. No, I can go and load up on another mid. There are some that are going to have to break their structure on the premise of if Flynn misses um, and move Dunkley, move Anil, and maybe have to find a way to break that structural format to be able to arrest that issue. That's totally fine. The, the most important thing for me is 
have your plan. Because if you don't have a plan, that 90 minutes that Jordox has just mentioned, it'll go really, really fast. You'll panic. And the moment you make a panic trade, you'll make a bad trade. So have those plans. If Flynn's plays, I'll do A, B, C. Regardless of if Flynn plays, I won't be seduced. I'll do an A, B, C. If this play gets named, I'll do A, B, D. Whatever it is, because if you don't have a plan, you're going to set yourself up to fail, right, Ben? Absolutely, Matt. And now I'm going to throw up a sort of a different option that we can go about dealing with this. And mm. definitely um, something we've been discussing a little bit is structural reform. Mm. Now, a guy that a guy that I think most of us miss, I know a, a fellow panel member, Fish, managed to pick up very astutely last weekend is Devin Robertson. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a, a rookie that's jumped up 85,000 in Dream Team and probably similarly across the formats. Now, yep. as we've just spoken about, Lockie Neal is out. Um, Devin Robertson was a phenomenal ball winner throughout his junior career. Um, round one debut game, scores a 93 against... Collingwood with seven tackles yeah. has a quieter game against the Bulldogs and then comes out with another six tackles against the Blues on uh, Saturday night and or Saturday mid-afternoon gets his another six tackles, 75 dream team. So this guy, I think for the next short little period, and when I'm talking short little period, it could only be another two, three, four weeks, sure. but he has, he has scoring potential and he has the the potential of a rotational or two through the midfield. So I, I think his dollar earning uh, capacity is still very, very high. I don't hate the idea of potentially moving a Dunkley down to a Dev Robertson if it fix up, fixes up another space in your team. So yep. someone like a, a Lloyd Meek in the ruck, um, that. that's, yeah, that's something I'd be gravitating towards. I'm not someone who's a big fan right now of the discussion around Matt Flynn. I think if you're looking to trade Flynn, you're cutting um you're cutting yourself off pretty early with the cash gen. Yeah, so still a couple my, more weeks there. Yeah, absolutely. My idea would be that you manage to get Flynn onto the R three, and you move in the big two, and then Flynn becomes a perfect upgrade downgrade target around the buys, um, which would be just phenomenally ideal for your your cash gen. So. Dev Robertson is someone that, I, and I know we're generally opposed to doing this, uh, downgrading to rookies that have already made their, you know, their first big dollar rise. But mm. he's someone I'd be willing to break that that rule on. And and quite frankly, I don't think there's any real rules in fantasy other than do what you, <laughs> the best you can to try and win, mate. That's what we're all trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah, especially um, if you've had weeks like this last week. The other cash cow that yeah. people might have an eye on is, is a Jai Farrar from Gold Coast. He's playing in the back line, but um, is forward eligible. Um, he's still on the bubble in Dream Team and Supercoach. Fantasy, he's already had a couple of price rises. Coaches might, because he and Dev are in comparable levels of, of price points across the formats due to what Devon um, is priced at in contrast to that. So who, who do you think's got the better role security there? Ben, because uh, Jordox got some questions for you in a sec, but Farrar's playing a, he played a nice role on Heaney last week. We know defenders or people that are playing as defenders against Collingwood, it's like fantasy points bonanza. Just ask Dyson Heppel owners last week, Nick Hind owners. Gosh, even Jaden Laverty turned up in Dream Team. That's all you <laughs> need to know to know how good it is to be a defender against Collingwood. So, so we should get a good week for us this week. But some of these injured sons are starting to trickle back, including Zach Smith as early as this week. 
Yeah, even regarding the um, the influx of the suns that will, will be occurring over the next two to three weeks, I think mm. Farah has done more than enough to hold his spot in the team for Good. the foreseeable future. So he's he's had two really outstanding games. Um, where I get a little bit more concerned is actually his scoring potential. Yeah, so sure. I know that I know that he's had two good scores, but I feel like these could almost be the the two best scores of his fantasy career. So oh. um, he he just he's not an attacking defender. Um, yeah, I've got I've got a few question marks with his with ball in hand. Now he's sure. done a good job so far. And he certainly demonstrated um, an interceptability, which naturally sort of gravitates a little bit higher than the than the Prestigier Comos to bring back a name from yesteryear. Oh but, wow! Um, yeah, but I I think that Dev's Dev's scoring potential is a significantly higher, and it all depends at the end of the day what tra- what um what trades you're dealing with. So are you dealing with a Josh Dunkley, or have you got someone in your in your backline that potentially you're looking to upgrade or downgrade to? But I think uh, Robertson's a very unusual case in that we're yeah. dealing with injuries on that line. And I, I don't tend to like to bring in a premium uh, scoring, a premium priced rookie if they're not going to produce me a 70 plus average. So for that reason, I'm not a big fan of Farrah, but you know, I've been wrong before MJ. No, we, we all have, and uh, we don't talk about those. Um, <laughs> for, for, for the credibility of the podcast, we never talk about those. Uh, all right, Jordan, what about um, Lockie Neal? Again, hugely popular pick at the start of the year. Um, really divided the fantasy footy community. Some were just like, he's a bomb. He's going to be a beast in super coach. He has been before, maybe a little bit overs, but he'll be around the mark. Dream team and fantasy. Look, maybe it's a little overs, but he's going to be up towards the top of the tree. And now he's done the dirty on every fantasy coach where he started slow, dropped a lot of cash, tempted those that held him with one banging good score a couple of weeks ago. And now, unfortunately, he's out injured and does require a trade out of our teams. Looking as the, if you started, Neil, I assume it's because you thought he was a top tier mid. Is it just as simple, Jordox, as go a like for like, even with that lost cash? I think. I think with Neil, and, and it's frustrating, but I'll say this about Dunkley as well. At least both of them went out um, swinging. They went down swinging. And what so, I mean by that is, you know, obviously Dusty, unfortunately, wasn't the case. Um, but he's still worth a lot, Neil, and, and Dunkley is absolutely top dollar. So what that means is um, the, the sky is really the limit with what you do with that trade now. Yeah. So he's around the 750s in, in, in Dream Team. And because it's the midfield, the, the market of the midfield is uh, yeah, arguably the most fun to shop in because there's so much you can do. You could go straight to the top. And, and I think if you don't have a Jack McRae or a Zach Merritt, they're one of those ones where it's like, all right, I'll just get them in because I you know, probably should have started with, with them. And you know, Jack Steele's right up there as, as yeah. one of those guys over 800. Um, but... You know, depending what you can do with your other trade, there, there's so many names that you could have a look at um, that would be saving money. Um, two that sort of stick out for me is um, Trelaw. Yep. Now, we'll talk about the, the effect of the the, um, the Dunkley injury later, but uh, he's one that has just got going a um, couple of quiet weeks in the last few weeks. He's just, well, it's just Trelaw. He, yeah. He's doing what he did at Collingwood, but he's playing in a, uh, you know, a real dream team, that midfield. Um, 
Trelaw would be one, but if you're going down a bit further, I, I, I did mention this fellow last week, and I'll mention him again. But um, Andy Brayshaw yep. has uh, he had that he had that higher break even, so you could have a, another look at him. Um, but he had a bit of attention from Kane Turner, and this is what I love about the kid. So he's in, I think, year four, his fourth year. This is the year where he's starting to get the tag attention, which it makes sense because he's a jet. Um, <laughs> It really hurt him earlier. He scored a couple of 50s and 60s. Uh, and on the weekend, he had a bit of, probably not the hardest of tags from a seasoned tagger in Kane Turner. And he uh, flicked him away like a fly and, and scored 120. So he's still very cheap if you wanted to save around 100K. And then obviously it depends what you're going to do with the second trade. Yeah, both the second trade and that extra cash. That's always the thing that, that needs to be looked at is with every trade you make, don't just think and, and get locked into this one player. And we'll talk about one player that everyone's got on their lips in Jack Zebel in just a moment. <laughs> um, don't just get locked in on this one guy, this one option. This it, It's always got to be about the combination of what you do. Do the combinations of those moves get you closer to it rather than just this one guy? Because if all you think about is I need this one person, Person, you limit the narrative and you limit the variable opportunities of how you can you can't have tunnel vision greater increase no you can't mm-hmm. and for me one of the things i'd encourage coaches to at least consider again every coach and every side is unique you don't have to trade neil and dunkley this week you might be in a position where you might go i'd plan to move on golden i'd plan to move on a campbell i'd plan to move on a james rowe and I think the cover I might have in those lines, plus this upgrade trade I'm going to do to, to benefit not losing any cash might mean for your unique side, you can do that. Because these injured guys, they're not playing, they're not losing cash. Whereas a Goulden's got a really difficult break even based off his past two to three weeks, not his first two to three weeks. That might be the right move for you. It might not be, but don't rule that out. Don't just go, I've got Dunkley, I've got Neil, I've got, I've got to trade the premiums. No, no, no. You might not have to. It, you might need a plan to make sure you don't get stuck with that injury issue two, three, four weeks down the road because that's the issue that can come. But open yourself up to the possibilities that maybe there are some other moves you could do that don't mean you have to trade them straight away. And the other benefit of that too is sometimes I, I feel like we do get, um, uh, you know, we set our sights on someone for a replacement and it's like, all right, this wasn't the week I wanted to get this guy. Mm. Um, his break even is still just unreachable. Um, he doesn't have a great matchup. Maybe he's going to get a tag this week. But I'm trading Neil, so I have to get him there. So you have to pay the extra. In in that line of thinking you just said, MJ, maybe there's a perfect say. You know, the guy I want, he's getting a hard tag, has a high break even. I'll get him next week. Yeah. If you've got the cover. Well, that's I'll, it. I'll just say on that, MJ, um, and I was sort of, uh, fiddling around with a few different things, so might have not been completely dialed in there. But fiddle away. I would I would suggest to not hold any of these injured players. Um, Talk me out of it. Talk me out of it. Yeah. So we're going to be copying rookie scores, mate. Um, at the end of the day, we're talk, we're copying guys like Anthony Scott, forty nine on on your bench, a yeah. James Rowe, thirty six on your bench, yeah, and Errol and Errol Goulden, who I've never seen a rookie this tanked by the the stage of round six. Yeah, probably doesn't <laughs> even get up this weekend. But if he does, sure. um, you're looking at a sub fifty there. Jacob Kaziski, who's more likely to kick zero goals than he is to kick five 
well, True that. probably probably for the rest of the season. I am a Hawks fan, so excited by him. But mate, I I don't often say this, but I think that's actually a bit of a stinker call by you. I think you got to be um, oh, looking at I was yourself. lobbing you. <laughs> Um, no, I would be strongly and firmly in the camp of you've got to be looking to move those guys either to premiums or to be looking to upgrade different parts of your team, as we've sort of discussed. If we're, if we're to just simply put them on the bench and give them to next week's problems, then we're realistically looking at a 40-point um, score, which is going to be a 60 to an 80-point loss on field. And that's just the first week. So... Um, yeah, if you're playing for overall, which is like probably a, a fair chunk of the community are that, that are most of our this. listeners are playing for overall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'd suggest against it. If you're playing for league, it's a different conversation. But um, totally. you know, I would suggest uh, mm. maybe that's not the best way to to pull your trades. I, I think um, in defence of MJ, there, you know, I mean it's counterintuitive yeah. to, to to suggest keeping keeping a, you know a gun who has a long term injury. I think, though, you know, Ben, you're right. You're spot on in, in the absolute short term. Um, yeah, you will cost yourself points. But, don't, you know, don't forget it, it is a marathon and, and the overall structuring of your side, um, I, you know, I think, and I'll be honest, I'm not a big overall guy, so I'm more, I'm more in the, the head-to-head camp. But I, I, I am seeing that, you know, you have a path, you have a plan, um, if you can get away with it, and there would only be a limited number of names that you would try this with, and that would be a James Jordan. Um, yeah, obviously, if you've got Dev Robertson last week, he'd be on your field anyway. The other thing you can do is loophole. So you can have a look at this kid, and if, you know, say it's a James Jordan, uh, although I don't know when everyone's playing this week, but just for argument's sake, you have a look at him on a Friday night. Um, let's go Anthony Scott, just, to, just for the sake of it. Friday night. And he pulls out a you know career score of eighty five, just hypothetically. Then maybe you can hold the Neil trade and, and do it next week. If you've got Dunkley as well, um, you wouldn't keep them both. And the um, but yeah, I, I, look, I just think explore all options. But yeah, the, you're the challenge right, for you, coaches you is them. the challenge is <laughs> Friday night. You've got Dunkley. So any move you want to do that involves him, any DPP moves, anything, you, you I, I can't see a lot of coaches that haven't used both their trades by the end of, by the time mm. Friday night lockout starts. So for me, I think it's a, if you, whatever moves you're making, you need to know what they are by 6.10 or 6.20 Eastern on a Friday and just pull the trigger. Don't wait. Don't waste. Just do it. Because otherwise, and, and I know Sriram asked one of our patrons asked a question like, should you wait and should you hold um, through these rolling lockouts? As someone that has played super coach for a really long time, that has had rolling lockouts for Dream Team, it's not as new for AFL fantasy coaches. They're just getting used to it in the past 12 months. The thing that's going to trip up your season is if you keep waiting, you'll miss. You'll miss a lockout. Life will get busy. Weekends happen. You'll, you'll make a mistake. You'll forget something. So if you know the moves you want to make, and with Dunkley, you have to make it by that first Friday night game. Just pull the trigger. Pull the trades. They're premiums. Don't fart around with them. Just get it done. Just get and, it. And, the la- and the last point on that, the last point on that, um, holding me or holding a Dunkley for the sake of your structure is what, what has pretty much happened every week in Injury. 2021. Someone big has gotten injured. So, yeah. You're just kicking the can down the road. That's guys, all you're doing. Guys, 
Moving on. Josh, you're Josh Dunkley. Sorry, I just need to interject quickly. Yes. If Josh Dunkley is injured for 12 to 16 weeks, if Lockie Neal is injured for eight mu- for eight weeks, might as well be eight months for our fantasy seasons, he's a trade this week and every week, every single time. He is a trade this week. Get him out of your teams. Move it. The only reason you can't is if you have three end of, story. of these issues. End, <laughs> end of story. <laughs> yeah. If you no, have no, three, of these, no, no. three of these issues... Find a third trade. Go call up Yank. Find a third trade. That's but it. Pete Jane, we're calling you. Realistically, these two have got to go. So time just keep to... that front and center. Yeah, I think it's a fair shout. All right, fair shout. Let's talk about a guy that's causing a lot of people to reconsider their starting squad decisions. And that is, of course, Jack Zebel with now Dunkley out and now being a trade this week. Zebel is really coming into a lot of coaches' considerations. He's had three really big weeks and then a couple of reasonably decent scores across the formats. And now is the most informed forward we have that is available to us entering into round seven. So the dilemma for coaches is simply, can you do it? Can you trade in this guy that is arguably still not even quite at peak price just yet, but he's averaging 127 in Supercoach. I didn't think he'd average that over the first six weeks of the year. Like now I've got him in Supercoach, so I'm being a bit facetious there, but he's been absolutely considerably way over and above better than what anybody else thought he might've been in AFL fantasy and dream team. He's averaging 119 in that format, just being an absolute beast for it. In that format, he's gone 95, 82, 139, 89, 140, and the disgusting 170 on the weekend. While if we look at his super coach scoring over the past couple of weeks, it is 113, 72, 155, 107, 148, 169, and probably would have gone to 200 if he didn't get crunched in the last 10 minutes of the game. Poor Ben, we normally say buy low, sell high, but when they're scoring so big, is it still worth spending up this big cash on this guy well the benefit this year mate i'm gonna reveal a a world first here um so hold your horses this is a big deal jack zebel if you trade him in this week you actually get his first six scores as well oh so it's a it's a huge one it's it's insane it's insane and you get to trade him in for four hundred thousand as well Oh, you get so, him at the starting price as well. Magic. We're all we're all good. We're all good. No, realistically, You're using a cheat code there. Re- realistically, lads. Okay, let's break it down. And I'm I'm happy to hear the other side of the argument, um, of course. But I was I was flicking through some numbers as well. I don't think Jack Zebel rates in the vicinity of the names I'm about to spit out. But let's do it anyway. So we have got Sam Doherty. <laughs> Who's the uh, who was the best fantasy defender we've seen over the last five years? From yep. an average perspective, he delivered in Dream Team, which is the scoring format I play. He delivered 116 back in 2017. Obviously, had a couple of injury seasons. Sure. Jake Lloyd' um, best career season is 107. So we have Jack Zebel going at 119 right now, playing a ridiculously stupid uh, fantasy relevant role. And by the way, I do own Jack Zebel and very happy owner, by the way, but um, we've got to be tempering expectations. 119 is not going to continue. Um, mm. I will take, I will take that bet with anyone who's willing to take it with <laughs> me. So 
I won't, I'll go as far as to say 110 won't continue. And MJ, wow. I'll go as far as to say 100 won't continue either. So, I love it. Yeah. Wow. Very That's very, a big call. Yeah, very, yeah. very, very confident 100 won't continue. Why is that? Because um, people hear that and they, they, again, they look at the scores and they go, but he had 170, he had 140, he had one of this, one that. How can you say from now he won't get that given that the ball will likely reside quite a well, lot not even in that, that north my back line? Not, not, not averaging 100 from this point on, I think was what he said. That's correct. What, 100 from this point on. So, so talk that's me through saying. that thought because people hear that and go, oh, that's bull. And it's like, well, hang on a sec. Let's hear the reasoning behind how and why you don't think he goes 100. Is this just in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy or across formats, to be clear? Yeah, I would, so I'm talking about Dream Team. Dream Team and I'm Fantasy. Less, yeah, I'm less across exactly what's happening in Supercoach, although Tra- I think that they would transition pretty well. But let's go with Dream Team anyway. Yeah. So... The best fantasy defenders we've had of the past, you know, the past five years have basically delivered us hundred seasons. And I'm talking about Docket here. I'm talking about the Jake Lloyds out of outside of one obnoxious season for Sam Doherty, which is that 27 season I referred to. And Jake Lloyds delivered 107, but has typically been more around that hundred type range. Yeah. Now we're putting we're putting Jack Zebel up against the two best fantasy. De- uh, fantasy defenders of the modern era. Yeah. Now, to me, that means something. Maybe you think that Jack Siebel is the next uh, heir to the throne. I personally don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think he... Now, now we're going to divulge off a little bit. Does he play the role well for the club? There are two uh, sort of, you know, streams of thought here. One is that he's very communicative, uh, very, communicative very important for a young defence. So his leadership is very important. Is he actually good as a halfback? I think... Nope. I think you've got the right answer there, MJ. Nope. If you watch people play against North Melbourne, the way sides structure up those inside forward 50s, they they are going through Zeebel's men because he's not a defender. He's just not a defender. He's a midfielder. He's a clearance winner and really good at that too, by the way. But he's not a defender. So crafty forwards, good inside forward 50 units, I'll just play through Zebel's man and expose his defensive liability. 100%. So, that, so that's that's one of the key reasons. Now, the, the other one that sort of I lead into is as a development coach, mm. would I be looking at Jack Zebel getting 35 uh, disposals in my defensive half and thinking this is doing the most for my uh, team in five years' time and especially MJ for the, the team that's going to win my next premiership at the North Melbourne Footy Club? Yeah, nah. Not even a chance. That's a big one for me. Now, I know Jordo's going to speak a little bit about the injury history, but the injury history for me, Jack Siebel does have it. And I've always had concerns over his body. Now, that's another element. I also know that Jack Siebel is a, is a very, very good footballer as an inside midfielder. Very good. Another area that North Melbourne is getting destroyed at. And mm-hmm. let's be frank, they're getting destroyed all over the ground. But I don't see a reason why he couldn't be quite a solid inside midfielder. Yeah. And then to cap it all off, he's actually shown form and probably some of his best football as a key forward. Now, True. that's all well. Now, this is all well and good. I still think he's going to play as a halfback for the next the next foreseeable future. That doesn't mean the rest of the season. Sure. That could mean the next the next month or so. Now, realistically, do I want a player with these five to six question marks that I've just outlined, MJ? 
do I want to be spending 800, 750, whatever the price is on him? Mm. No, sorry, I can't go there. And what, what actually makes me really excited about going against it is the fact that a lot of people are going for it. Yeah. So it's, it's coming to the, the point where it's almost a unique move. To go against him, yeah. To go against him. And look, the, the downside is huge. Every time Jack Zebel goes 140, it's going to hurt you. Totally. But the reality is, if he goes 140 one or two more times and then gets injured or then gets moved out of position because North Melbourne's just had back-to-back 100-point losses, mm. you know, things change very, very rapidly in football. And True. suddenly Jack Zebel scores a 60 and then suddenly he gets injured and that sways heavily in, his, in your favour. Not to mention that when you're spending 800000 I know I'm going off on a bit of a rant here. Lads, I love but it. When you're spending 800000 on a player, you need them to produce scores around that 120 mark, yeah. around the 110 mark. That's their break-even score. Yeah. So you're not, you're, not, you're not like really getting ahead of the pack when you're get the, getting those 110s. He needs to be doing that for you. That's the psychology I, w- I want everyone to sort of, if they take one thing away from this podcast, yeah, it's good. When, you're spending, when you're spending a price on a player, they need to pro- be producing at least that average for you. And if you have intentions of winning the goddamn thing, excuse the French MJ, sorry, but if, uh, if you have intentions of, of winning this thing, you need to actually be, uh, be producing above and beyond the price that totally. you're paying for. Yeah. So if we're paying 110 for Jack Zabel, we need him to be doing 120. Yeah. So this is why, from my risk assessment, it's an absolute no-go zone. But I'm really excited to hear Jordan's uh, Jordan's viewpoint because I think we've had a few different sort of discussions. Yeah, I love it. This panel. It's it's a great moment for the for fantasy in general, MJ, because these don't always happen, and it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. Talk us through Jordox now. I know Ben made this interesting point that he he's got some injury concerns. People that follow you on Twitter might have seen a post that you did in the past twelve to twenty four hours. Talk us through some of that r- injury risk that you don't, at least statistically, doesn't seem to be there from your perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think Zebel is. He is just such a fascinating figure of this, just one of the many subplots of our fantasy seasons. And um, I I will just make one quick comment before I get into, you know, I've seen a bit of a pile on on Jack Siebel. And, you know, Captain LeClub, he's he's been a real stalwart at North. I'm not suggesting, you know, Benny said anything, but just just across the the social medias and all that, it's it's not his fault that the club wanted him to play back there. It's not his fault that he's getting the ball. He's leading the club the best he can. So yeah, I, I just no wanted doubt. to say that. He's so a good dude. I've been thinking about Zebel. I've been thinking about Zebel a lot this week. And, and, and one of the, ma- well, not the main things, but one thing I have been hearing is that he, he's injury prone and it's just a matter of time before he goes down, which would be such a blow to those who have waited, waited, avoided, 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 and then jumped on now after he's, you know, just about at max price. Um, I, I had a bit of a look at his career. So since debuting in 2009, he's actually played in 82% of available games. So he's taken to the field in 224 out of 273 games. So missed about 50 games in his career. Yep. Um, now, since establishing himself in the best uh, 22 in 2011, he's actually played 200 out of 229 games. And of those 29 games missed, nine of them were last year. 
In fact, if we remove 2020 from the data, and I know you can't just do that to cherry pick, but I'm going to do it here because 2020 was a real <laughs> was a real fart of the season, let's be honest, for many players. Uh, so if we forget 2020, he actually hasn't missed a game since the last game of 2017. So... There are many valid reasons for not jumping on, but I don't think his body is one of them. Um, to some of the other points, I, the thing I think about Zebul is sometimes we can we can go too hard on a name, and and I've heard so many people say, I just can't pay that for Zebul because he's never averaged a hundred before. Um, you know, he, he gets injured, yada yada yada. He's never played in this role before, in yep. his, to my knowledge, for North Melbourne. Um, and this isn't two games, three games, you know, he's had some really friendly scores against sides that concede a lot. This is six games in now, and he is number two in the comp behind the Cray. This isn't just a bit of a, um, a bit of a fluke that is just going to disappear suddenly. I, I think sometimes we try and reinvent the wheel. We've got a guy who you did, if you didn't start with him, You've missed the bargain that he was. Yep. But the reality is our forward line, um, forward lines are bereft and they're actually dropping like flies. So I look at Zebul averaging 119. Um, do I think he's going to average 119 from here on? I don't. Um, but I, I, I can't see his scoring just suddenly stopping. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well is you know, you made that joke earlier, Ben, about you can't, you're not going to get those points from the first six rounds. You know, you're chasing points. Sometimes those points, yeah, we're not banking them, but we're using them as evidence in our decision-making. So when I'm looking for a guy, I look at what they've scored. And this guy just so happens to have scored a couple of 140s and a 170. And earlier you mentioned um, Lloyd and, and Doherty comparing him. No one's comparing it to them. They've done it for years and years and years. This is a once-off. They've just found a new role for him. What I will say in Dream Team is Doherty and Lloyd have clearly been the kings. Neither of them have ever scored 170 in Dream Team. All right. I think I'm intrigued by two things about um, Zebul on both sides of the coin. One side is this. They play Melbourne this week. Based on this year's data, Melbourne are missing a lot of shots at goal. <laughs> that's because they're getting a lot of shots at goal. So that's good news for Zebel if he maintains this halfback role. The week following, they play Collingwood. What have we said a couple of times about Collingwood? Defenders against Collingwood, it's money. So his fixture in these next couple of weeks is good. So that's one positive if you're on the Zebel train and you're forecasting he's going to score well for the rest of the year for whatever reason, that's good. Here's my rebuttal to that. Those that own Zebel right now, if they've made this decision and hopefully a couple of others that have done well for them this year, they're probably higher up in the ranks. So this is purely for those focused on ranks for the moment. If they've already got Zebel and you're chasing these guys at the top of the tree in the top couple of hundred, top couple of thousand, because I think depending on the format you play, if you're in the top couple of thousand, gosh, even the top 10,000 in some formats, you're still a legitimate chance to catch the top tier guys, depending how far away you are. You've got to be careful about how many of these types of guys that are the hot starters that might maintain it for the year. And that's okay. But can you pick the next Zebel-esque type guy that's going to fly 
from here on in that's unique to these guys. Because if you're bringing in a guy they already have, you're not gaining any points. You're, it's just a negating move. And in a league, if leagues are your focus and Zeeble is your biggest worry in your head-to-head battles, sure, that's a, then that's a different story. Again, that's it. That's a negating mindset, which is, again, something you should be doing more focused towards cliffhanger wins and leagues rather than this. So for me, I'm more on the, I'm not trading Zeeble in train. I own him in Supercoach and very happy with it. But I, I would rather go and find someone cheaper for, my, for mine someone that I think can match his ceiling in that forward line, which is where we're picking him as a forward. Um, and so for me, I'm going there. And and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's fine. But I, I, I'd bank a, a side bottom or a Zorko from here to the end of the year with, with clear midfield roles. Neil's out. They're going to have to do that. The pies are blooding kids, but they're not giving them the midfield time. They're putting Sidey in to stem the bleeding. That's why he was in there this week against Essendon. It was, gosh, we've got so many young kids that we're trying to get games into, but we've got to win. Bucks is fighting for a contract. The Pies list still think they're good enough to make finals. They're not going to make finals with Rantle, with McRae, um, and with Poulter playing heavy midfield minutes and then resting Sidey forward. So that's why for me I go... Yep, the fixture for the next two weeks, I reckon, is going to hurt coaches that don't own Zeeble. I think that fixture is really good, but I'm banking on a cheaper option every day of the week that's got a greater history because because I don't think I don't think this is sustainable. There's nothing that shows this and, is sustainable. I think, um, yeah, again, it's such a it's such a great talking point. Yeah. I think just to be clear, you know, I'm not I'm not saying go get him. I'm not. No, saying no, no, we're not um, hearing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I would say, it comes down to this, right? What, what do you think? And I'm not asking you guys, but you just ask yourself. If you're Rhetorical. Zero, what, what, what do you think he's going to score from here on? That's a big and question. And if that's the same as or, or more as the other options, the side bottom or Zorko, um, that, that's where it is. What do you think? Because it could go either way. And... I think MJ on your point of, you know, an overall, you're right, because the sides that started with him, even if he keeps going at this level and you grab him now, you've already paid two, three hundred K more than those. So, you know, from a financial point, you're behind, therefore your team's probably going to be a bit behind. So I get don't chase him, but at what point does he become, say, like a, you know, um, no, I'm not going to say a gone. But at what point does it become more damaging not having him? Is what I'm saying. But we'll find out. What do you reckon? Two things. Two things. Okay. So what what I would say number one history. I want to see a player that's done it for the last the last five years or so. So side bottom to me, and the reason why I bring up the names like the the Doherty's and the Lloyds and players of that nature is I want to see who the best halfback has been historically to give me a bit of an identifier as to what Zeeble might be able to do in that current role. So I think it's fair enough to say if Zeeble, if Lloyd averaged 107 or if, uh, you know, Doherty averaged around that 115, maybe Zeeble can can do 110, 115 in his best sort of season ever. But I'm looking, and, you know, to that second point around the history. So the first six scores to me, they are some indicator. The last two, three, four, five years of information, probably the last two seasons of information, is a much stronger indicator to me um, when it comes to trading in players. So that's where I look at it from a long-term even, perspective. And even those with a 
a clear role change? No, he's never role, played this role before. With yeah, with a role change, it's a little bit different. But again, I come back to my priors, and my priors being Sam Doherty, my priors being Jake Floyd, who are traditionally around that hundred point mark. Yeah. And then I've also got my really strong priors on steel side bottom being an extensively mm. yeah, uh, durable sense. and hundred plus average player. He's a pretty he's a pretty handy alternative. It's not bad. Side is bottom. So it's, the que- it's not like there's nothing else. The question, yeah, the question becomes, and I'm, and you guys have both nailed the, the head on the donkey right now. It's the question becomes: Steel side bottom, Dane Zorko, or Jack Zebel? And for me, I've got, I say it with almost, I would say, seventy-five, maybe even eighty percent confidence that Zorko and Steel side bottom score more, not necessarily average more, but score more than Jack Zebel, in my opinion, from yep. here to the end of the season. And you bank extra cash with that too, cash, which can help you yeah. with other trades cash money, as well. MJ. And cash is money. I can get rid of Goulden that way, Benny. Um, yeah. uh, all right. Before we uh, get to some of our Patreon questions, uh, there have been some big injuries that we've spent a bit of time talking about. The, need to look at the other side of these injuries as well. Let's, let's dissect this injury for Dunkley. He moves out of that midfield. Someone's got to jump in and take some of these opportunities. Bailey Smith's picked up some CBAs mid-game. Now, Lin Jong was out, of course, if you watch the game. So there was an extra midfield able body um, that does and can float through there for them. It's going to have a cascading impact down. So rather than a like-for-like replacement, they don't have another Josh Dunkley type sitting in the VFL. Um it's going to create further opportunities for others. It probably eliminates, I think, some coaches' benefit of doubt of Trelaw's midfield minutes. Well, that that question's now gone. The injury body might still be lingering as for the doubt to go to Trelaw. Sure, I'll listen to that. But now the midfield role's not. I think Smith has to pick up some of those midfield rotations. I think they're just so deep. It's so... It's not going to be one person, is it, Jordox, that covers this one person's role. It, it's going to be Bont with the extra rotation here or there. It's going to be the, um, gosh, McRae, not as outside. A Hunter maybe going a little bit more up across the wing. They'll just find ways to move the magnets and make one player come in, whether it be, I don't know, an Ed Richards or a West or, a, you know, any of these type of guys might pop in. And then others will just pivot and move around it, I suppose. That's the bulldog way, really. I think it's it's an interesting one. Um, and I mentioned Trelaw before as being a great option for Neil. But having said that, I've been thinking about this a lot this week with the Dunkley out. What does it mean? If we all remember going into round one when Trelaw was joining the Bulldogs and Dunkley and McRae had seen weird little you know, forays forward in previous years, you know, we weren't sure what that makeup was going to look like. We weren't sure who was going to score what. And now I just kind of think we're in the same spot. I mean, Dunkley's out. Uh, who comes in, you know, like you said, maybe Ned Richards. I know Lipinski has been a real fringe player who, yeah, who looks sure. good in the VFL on the weekend, um, who can play a very similar role to Dunkley. Um, what does it mean? I mean, if you use a bit of logic, it's probably um, Bailey Smith goes in um, and then Hunter might come up the ground and play more wings. So Hunter's, the one that stands out, particularly in AF, because you can get him as a forward. Sure. But I don't know with the doggies. I think it's a bit of a reset. I'd like to have a watch first before I made any conclusions on what it means for Trelaw, what it means for Bailey Smith. Bailey Smith is the one that 
I, as a, as a Bulldogs well-wisher, I'm not a fan, <laughs> but I just wonder if he needs to be in the guts because he looks brilliant when he's in there. And he's had a bit of a drop-off, um, look, from, from a fantasy perspective anyway. Um, so I'd personally like to see him go in, Hunter up to a wing, grab Hunter and AF in your forward line and happy days. That, but that, that's the Jordox fingers crossed approach. Who, uh, all right. who knows with, with who, Bevo at the helm? No, nobody knows. All right, Benny, I, I want to run another cascading thought by you because um, you've got your honest pants on today, which I love. Um, tell me tell me what I, if I'm in the right ballpark or the wrong ballpark for coaches thinking this way. Lockie Whitfield comes in and Jesse Hogan comes in this week. Now, Hogan's been confirmed to play in the AFL. Whitfield's been alluded to, but if it's not this week, he'll play VFL and eventually the following week, you'd, you'd guess, um, should he get through injury-free, he'll play in the AFL. There are, I think, two people that this helps. Well, not helps, two people it impacts. Let's put it this way. Isaac Cumming, does this help or hurt if Whitfield plays more back? And Josh Kelly, who finds himself on the half-forward flank and occasionally on wing. With Hogan and Whitfield back, am I right that these are the two players that might get the most impacted? Or are there others that also we need to factor in? Because Cummings has been a popular stepping stone in the back line. Kelly's been a pain in my butt, and I think I'm the only person on Team Josh Kelly for the rest of the year. Maybe I'm clutching at straws here. Help a brother out, Betty. What are these two players coming back in for the Giants, man? Yeah, well, Kelly's the the one that it's bewildering how he hasn't played in the midfield as a full-time midfielder up until now. We've we've got quantifiable evidence. He's just not getting the centre bounce attendances at the moment. MJ, I can't put your mind at ease because I can't work it out for the life of me anyway. Come on, Ben. The reality is uh, the Giants have had midfield injuries. They're, they've yeah. already got a depleted uh, midfield lineup and Lockie Whitfield isn't necessarily one that attends, you know, 75% of center bounce attendances. So yeah, yeah. I, I tend to think it probably, it doesn't negatively affect Lockie Whit, uh, doesn't negatively affect Josh Kelly. Reason for that is because you just bring a great player into the lineup. So the yeah. ball retention becomes better. And that also, that does have a cascading effect that I think sometimes we don't think about too much. Um, but Lockie Whitfield, I think, is going to go more so to a halfback flank to begin the, the season. Okay. Um, and I think that that affects Cumming to some degree. But Cumming's also played such an outstanding, uh, you know, he's had such an outstanding start to the season. Yeah. He hasn't quite looked like he's going to deliver enough to be a premium scorer. So potentially you can hold him through to the bye now get a really good idea around what Whitfield's going to do for everyone's scores around you, knowing that, you know, when we're, we're talking about someone affecting someone, we're only talking about 10 to 15% traditionally. Yeah. Um, so I would be fairly comfortable in holding coming, seeing what happens up until the buy. Unfortunately, the giants do have the early buy. Yeah. Um, Whitfield is, is another guy that we'd be thinking about as poten- potentially bring in as our defender uh, down the line. Now, that's right. And me saying that's a, he's a defender this year. Yep. Um, that's how much I know about him because he's completely <laughs> outside of my thoughts. But we'd be thinking about bringing him in post by as well. So that's just another one to keep an eye out for the future. We are going to sort of be talking about the buyers and the narrative around the buyers in the coming weeks. Yeah. Someone to be thinking about post by because they have that round 12 buy. So we're going to have a good look at him. But I would suggest to not trade him in until we've 
led up to that round 12 start. So yeah, those would be my thoughts on him, but it's going to be a really interesting one. And there's going to be someone that I haven't worked out that is going to affect. I can guarantee you that right now, MJ. No, I appreciate that, Ben. You've, you, you've put my heart at ease and at the same time, you've left me with more questions. So um, that's exactly what I wanted from you there, mate, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, don't forget, uh, there's plenty more stuff to keep checking out every single day of the week at coachespanel.tv. There's always articles there, whether it be the weekly Ultimate Footy League uh, draft pickups that you can get from the play, player pool that Jordox gives you, whether it's the weekend wrap-up from Johnny Coombs, the break-evens that have just landed at coachespanel.tv. And, uh, of course, the big issues of the week that we've already spent a lot of time talking about in Neil and Dunkley. I've given you my thoughts on who I'd be trading them to um, and how I'd be trading them at coachespanel.tv. All right, let's get into some of our Patreon questions and wanting to throw them out there. A lot of them along the way, Patreons. The good news is we've answered them for you as we go. So we don't have to spend a whole heap of time on some of these. Um, but we'll throw them out nonetheless as some big stuff. Uh, this is an AFL fantasy question for you. We'll throw it over to you, Jordox, for this one. Jake wants to know, is Sean Darcy, stick with him, he says. I know that's not a good start to a question, but he wants you to hold the, f- the firm with him right now. He says this, is he a decent left field option as a stepping stone ruck in AFL fantasy? He's got Nick Nat this week, but has a pretty good run up to his buy round. He's got that break even of 40 and he's averaging 98.6 in his last three and he's gone against McAvoy. O'Brien and Goldstein. So he's not exactly rucking against nobodies. Um, Goldie and also McAvoy are not the pinnacle that they were a handful of years ago. But is this a stepping stone ruck or should he just be like cascading to the moon for the big boys or looking for a cheap cow in between? Uh, look, uh, he is a stepping stone. Um, absolutely. And he's, he's looked good since he's come in. The, the question is, do you really want to be looking at a stepping stone at this point? I mean, you know, it's hard to know without, you know, knowing what the, the current rock setup um, this person has. But if you're at a point now where you're pulling hair out because you're stuck uh, in a bit of a pickle, if, if this is your only way out to just getting by, then yeah, but I, I would just do everything I can to find another way to get up to one of the top two. I'm not even recommending O'Brien anymore. I think, um, yeah, I think Darcy will score. I just, I don't think it's time for the stepping stones. I think you've already got a stepping stone. You started with someone who was a stepping stone. All this stepping, stepping, stepping. If if you can, yeah, shoot for the moon and, and get Grundy or Gorn. Yep, nice work. Uh, it's a question from Paul to you, Ben. Paul currently finds him inside the top 10 of AFL fantasy. Ooh. So go, Paul, uh, representing the brand with a couple of other coaches, paddlers, uh, not far behind him between Fish and Rids in the top 15 as well, just quietly. He wants to know this, though. How much should we consider buy round planning at this stage? Uh, it's in the context of he's trading out a Dunkley. But how much weight with six weeks to go to the buyers? Do they start to factor in for you? Or is it still a couple more weeks to go? Yeah, well, firstly, huge ups to Paul. That's just incredible, mate. And you got to enjoy it. Like we we have such a grind as like fantasy, especially hardcore fantasy players. And it's so rare that you get into that top 10. Just absolutely live it up, mate. Even if, you know, so many players are going to play for 10 years and they're never going to achieve that. So it's it's True. a massive, massive ups. Um now, as to the question, I think, yeah, you've got to be planning as soon as possible for the buys. They're going to sneak up on us really quickly. In fact, 
I reckon the, these last six weeks, I've, I've uh, gone to sleep once or twice. I've woken up and six weeks have passed. And I feel that's going to be the, the exact same way going into these buy rounds. It's going to sneak, up, sneak up on us really, really quickly. Now, I wouldn't be absolutely freaking out if one of the buyers was sort of a little bit overbalanced, especially yep. those, those, um, those later buyers. Ideally, if you can sort of get a, a few more players into the round 14, even the round 13, that's pretty yep. good. Um, but yeah, just start planning for them from now. Definitely, 100%. Yeah, good thoughts. Uh, AFL fantasy question for you, Jordux from Ben. He wants to know, Dunkley to Grundy in AFL fantasy. He wants to end the weekly Flynn in or out saga. He's already got gone. Is it going to get the Jordux tick of approval, that trade? Uh, Dunkley to Grundy. Um, Dunkley to Grundy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, that was Dunkley a... to Grundy. All right. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Dunkley to Grundy. Yes. You've said yes. I'll take that as a yes. Uh, yeah, sorry. I lost that uh, audio for a sec there. Um, Dunkley all to I Grundy. heard was a yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, go with yes. <laughs> That's all you needed to give me was a yes. I don't mind that, man. I don't mind that. Uh, and last question. Uh, from Craig, oh, we've already answered that in the episode. Craig wanted to know, I think Benny answered this nicely for us. Is it more important to trade the cows? We're starting to bleed cash, even if it means benching Duckley for a week. You know Benny's answer. Go back and listen to the first 15 minutes. Don't kick the can down the road. Get rid of these premiums. Bring in other premiums. Your side will thank you for that problem later. Anything you'd like to add to that for Craig's benefit? No, absolutely not. Just absolutely get the points in. Points over dollars every day of the week, twice on Sundays. And guess what? We don't have that many good uh, rookies to be bringing in right now anyway. So, you know, go for it, mate. Yeah, it's, it's very, very true. There are uh, Every other question we've got, and there has been a bunch of them, have these names attached to them. Dunkley or Neil? And we've answered them for you right throughout this podcast episode. Uh, Benny Gogos, a pleasure to have you back on this episode. And I see you doing nicely in the rankings too, my friend. Thanks, mate. It was a great time to be here. Awesome to hang out with Jordan as well. So Jordox, the man, and it's it's a really exciting time. Let's let's keep going and keep hustling, keep loving fantasy footy, mate. It's great to have footy back in 2021. Certainly is, Jordox. You've now two weeks down for Dream Team and Super Coaches. You're officially on the bubble now after completing two. So let's see <laughs> if we can get a price rise out of you next week. So nice work from you, man. Thanks. Yes, I got the negative break even. Um, and ju- just on what Benny was saying about love and fantasy, I, I reckon we're being challenged harder than we've ever been as fantasy coaches. Uh, the rolling lockouts, the team's not being announced. And I, and I know there are people out there who are really struggling with it. Yep. Just just hang in there. We're all in this together. It's been bloody tough to start. Um, but yeah, just find the fun in it because that's what we're here for. Life, if this is all about enjoyment, it's really what it is. And we're, and we're the, on the hardcore side of people. If you listen to the coaches panel, you're certainly on the hardcore than the casual side of it. But at the end of the day, life is to be lived. Life is to be enjoyed. And if this thing is causing you so much stress, just pull the trigger on the trades on Friday night. Just get it done. Don't worry about it. That way, it's not in your hands. Just relax. Life is to be lived. Trades are to be made. And Dream Team is to be won by Rids again. That's all you need to know about how it's all going to go down. Enjoy your week this week, friends. I hope Rookie Rule that is kind to you. You nail the captaincy calls. But from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, we'll chat to you soon. Give it all.